Welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, Episode 24. I'm Brenna Asplund. Uh, here at Red Raven Games, we've been incredibly busy the past couple weeks, what with the Empires of the Void 2 Kickstarter, and we went to SaltCon last week, and next week we're going to the Gamma Trade Show. So we haven't really had time to record a regular episode of the podcast. But yesterday, we did a live Q&A over on Kickstarter, so I thought that this week it might be cool to put up sort of an abridged audio version of just part of that Q&A. Next week, since we'll be at the Gamma Trade Show, we won't be able to do a regular episode again, so I'm going to put up the second half then as well. Now, because we were recording this live, the audio is kind of laggy in places, and I did my best to sort of improve the audio quality and include only segments that, one, made sense in a purely audio context, and two, sounded good enough that they're understandable. So just be patient, be a bit patient with the audio quality, and I hope you guys enjoy some highlights from the Kickstarter Q&A. The first thing we wanted to talk about were the event cards, okay? Yeah. So we have a couple of events right here. I'm sorry if you can't see them. Um, we will post pictures of these yeah. at a later time. The first one I have here is MROC, okay? Now this is going to be shuffled into the actions cards and sort of drawn randomly, and so you'll you'll draw. And uh, Andrew, can you read the yeah, text? Yeah, there? of course. Okay, so Emrock. This is, this is an event. It's called Deep Fungus. So any player, when this card comes out, uh, basically you're going to place it on this planet. It's going to have kind of a like world event effect. So any player that has a group on Emrock or passes Emrock gains one fungus token. So this is each of the groups that are on the planet surface spaces. Each time moves past or battles with another group, that group also gets a fungus. So yeah. So, like, so the story. Yeah. So the story is, um, you know, on this planet there was this fungus that somebody maybe somebody. Now the planet is like a deep forest jungle sort of a planet. So deep in the jungle, somebody unearthed this fungus, and uh, it's 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 a kind of a funny one because you might get it because you're sitting on Emrock, but then you'll sort of spread it around the galaxy. Like, you'll sort of move this, this army around, and then other people that, it'll as you attack them, they will get it too, and it's really hard to get rid of, so. <laughs> yeah, the flavor text says, a dreaded fungus that is nigh impossible to destroy. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh-huh. And that, that'll stay active the whole time it's sitting on the Emrock planet. So we have uh, planet tokens now, which we are going to do for the game. You know, we've talked about how we switched to this board, and we, you know, now we're going to put these planets on there so you can move them around. And uh, there are two. I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here, but there are two ways you can play. You can play with them face down, where you explore them one by one, or you play with them face up. I prefer them face up, but it's also fun to sort of explore them one at a time. So you, you've got two modes there. Okay, this one is called uh, Prison Break, and it's on Silast. Silast, there's been this disease that has sort of killed almost all the people that lived on, all, all the, the Celastians. And uh, the other thing that this disease does is it makes, uh, sometimes it causes madness. So they had to put a lot of people into this sort of prison. And uh, now there's this break. So it says, go ahead and read that. Yeah, sure. So Prison Break, any player that moves into, out of, or past Silas must roll a die. If a three or higher, they lose four credits. If in orbit or on the surface, a player may attempt to capture the prisoners as a pass action. 
Pass action meaning like collect income, oh, yeah. command, or the one which is you can spend two command, uh, command and then take any of the other yeah. normal actions. And this is roll a die. Add one per unit they uh, they own on the planet. So the person who's there, like, right, rolling. Right, right. And, yeah. and then if they get a six or higher, you get two victory points and then discard this card. And finally, the flavors. The Celestian disease sometimes causes insanity, and many afflicted are imprisoned. Yep, there you go. So uh, that sort of causes uh, a little bit of chaos on the planet. You might lose credits if you're there. So here's another one. Sentina is sort of a water-ocean planet. This is a Hecrix invasion. Immediately place two Hecrix invaders on Sentina. If a player has units there, they must battle. So... And if nobody's there, you can go and battle them. And if you beat them, you'll get points, but you'll also gain the favor of the Centinians because so these, these Hecrix invaders have come from far away and they've invaded Centina and so they, they require help. Yeah. Yeah. And these and are that, like these are unit tokens that are outside of the different uh, you know, alien planets that are place with different stats and, and, and fighting combat and everything. Right. And an interesting thing about this event in particular is, you know, these events are going to be drawn out the deck, so they could come out kind of at any time. Yeah. Uh, so you might be on Santino when that uh, when that card comes out, when that event happens, but it's worded very specifically that it's when you move into or out of Sentina that you have to fight. So if you're sitting on there, you can just stay there <laughs> yeah. and hide and not have to fight them. That's right. Okay, and I'm going to just read this last one. Tanfu, there's a tribe war. So Tanfu is sort of a militaristic place. Um, it's got these uh, sort of lizard creatures, lizard species that live there. Yeah, let's see if we can get that. There we go. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Sorry, guys. They're called the Tanfoons. So that's actually, the unit is called the Tanfun Bloodseeker, if that tells you anything. So um, there's a tribor. So a tribor is broken out on Tanfu. The capital region is worth no victory points while active because of this war that's going on. So a player may attempt diplomacy to try to stop the war between these different tribes, and, except that it's normally you only have to roll one die for diplomacy, but you got to roll two dice this time, so it's a lot harder. But if you're successful, you get two victory points. So now remember, these are just some of the events you're going to have. You're going to play with different ones every time because we've reached a bunch of those stretch goals. So yeah. you can, you know, we're going to add more of them. And uh, so when you see unexpected and, uh, things that happen. Yeah. A quick aside. So uh, Gabkin in the chat just asked, "Are all the events bad?" And um, no, no. no I mean, the, the gambling hall is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Corlozan event with the Nomad Station, that's not bad. That gives you an extra place to recruit to. Yeah, or the Tanlock tan Dimension Gate lets you go anywhere on the board right. from Tanlock. Right. Yeah, so, so some, some of them are cool and add new way, you know, new abilities, especially for the player that happens to be nearby. Yeah, so some of them are really good. Even a lot of ones, the ones that are kind of bad, like the... Um, one in Centina with the invaders, like you can you can get stuff if you can fight them. Right, it's and not necessarily actually, a bad thing. Yeah, it's actually a great way to earn points. I mean, some of these will reward two points for beating it, and two points is a hefty sum in this game. So, and then part of that I don't know if this is uh, this nuance is, is is apparent, but when you're building the game, when you're setting it up, um, there will be multiple events for each planet, right? So you're going to basically shuffle each planet's events, draw one. Oh, yeah. And then basically add those in, yeah. and that's how... So every game will have a different one of each player. So yeah. I don't know if some people are, are haven't read through everything in our forum posts and everything, so that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk about deliveries. 
Um, these are sort of a pick-up and deliver thing. So this one here is a kidnapping. So it says you can pick up, if you move out or through Tanfu, you pick up leader Lakrakama, who is sort of, uh, he's one of the elders of the Tanfuns. And then it says destination Korlozan. So you have to take this leader, you kidnap him, and you have to take him all the way to Korlozan, wherever that is, and that happens to be down here, way in the corner of the board. And once you deliver him there, um, Measle 3 will reward you with two influence and two victory points. So... Now the interesting thing is, let's say it's, let's say I'm I have this card, okay, and I I move my ship, which is this. We're just using these giant dice. <laughs> so I I move my ship over to Tanfu, and I say I'm playing this card. I get to pick up this leader, and so I take the token and I put it on my ship. Okay, now everyone knows I that's my mission, and so um, let's say it's Andrew's turn, and he's hanging out. I see, kind of that, I see that payload, and I'm going right for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on your turn, you, you do a move action, and you move right up here, yeah. and we have a battle, and it's really tense. You know, I, I want to make sure I deliver this because I'll get some great re rewards, but uh, Andrew, he wants to steal it from me. Yes. So we have a battle. Let's, you know, roll some dice, and uh, he beats me. Oh, and because I wasn't prepared, I didn't have enough units, or I, I didn't have a good card in my hand. Yeah. So he will take... The, the guy, and then he can take the card and complete the mission. If I get to the turn first. Unless Brenna, Unless course, Brenna also has the same idea, <laughs> which is probably what's going to happen. Just fight yeah. back and forth for that poor kidnapped man. Uh, yeah. It's true. No, but uh, just a quick question. Christopher Kyle, how do you know where to place the planet tiles on the board? Are there outlines to indicate how they should be placed? And the answer to that is yes. 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 Let's see if you can see. There's it might be hard to see. These it might be hard to see in the video, but there's a little bit of an outline there, a little shadow, so you'll be able to know where those go. Yeah, most likely there's going to be a stark amended setup. Uh, you know, yeah, where the, the original planet should, should be would would have been yeah. or should be. Right? Yeah, and then maybe your next game you mix it up. That's right. Do you know how many events we currently have in the Kickstarter? How many events um, are we let's see. So there, so there. Well, For originally there were sixteen, 16 the and we reached two stretch goals. So that adds sixteen more. So what? Yeah, and then uh, I think there's eight more coming soon. So we're at thirty-two, but we're close to forty. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's right. It's going to be a lot of a lot of good, exciting events. Yeah. Now there are a couple other deliveries. Like some of these are like you pick up tar uh, cargo tokens, and um, when you deliver cargo. The reward for those, like this is a measle 3 freight delivery. So you'll pick up the cargo, you'll get influence on measle 3, but you'll get victory points and credits. So you're getting paid instead of... Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... And then his, this is another one, a presidential kidnapping. So there are lots of those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a kidnapper. In this so game. that's one of the three types of cards uh, that, you know, that are in your hand that you start the game. Everybody starts with four of these cards in their hand. And so we have the deliveries. Yeah. And then we have, what else we have? Okay, so the next thing I've got here, I've got a, a few of them, are missions, okay? So missions are cards, in our playthrough video, we had a few of those. But uh, missions are, are, are things that once you, once you complete what it asks you to do, there's a little trigger. Now the Ten Lockians, they are, um, they're sort of raiders. They're known for, for going throughout the sector and, and raiding ships, you know, they're kind of pirates. They have a sort of, here, you can show the, what they look like. They have they're kind yeah. of these tentacle. Um, yeah, let me get better at this. There you go. It's <laughs> a multi-eyed tentacle mind-reading creature. Okay. 
Oh yeah, they have so, a mind read. So actually, well, since we're sitting here, their ability to mind read, that's the unit, that means if they're in your army, you get to see the enemy's battle card face up before you play your own. So it's it's a it's a pretty big tactical advantage there. Pretty powerful ability. <laughs> okay, so this one this is space raid. So they want you to go and and raid for them. So it says win a battle against a player in a space raid region. So th when I have this card, it means I let's say Andrew has it. Yeah. So you you've got that in your hand, and you're sort of, you're going to be planning. You're going to be waiting for a player to sort of be out in space, and then you're going to run over and attack them, and you'll be able to play that right. right? Boom. And that'll give you influence. And what's the reward on that? Five credits and one VP. Okay. And then one influence on yeah. Tanlock. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just talk about two action cards. So on your turn, you can play. There's a card play action where you can play these actions, and uh, you'll pay a cost, and you'll do an awesome thing. So um, this one I like. This is called the Wormhole Bomb. Okay, so this is an action card. You can you can play it as uh, you know it's four power, and I'll show the card here in a second. But its cost is one one command one command. Yeah, and then you move up to two spaces to a space occupied by another player's units. Move the enemy's units then to Corlozan's orbit. So place one influence on Corlozan. So what you did is you flew in with your with your ship and yeah. met somebody else. You launched this bomb at him, and it opened a wormhole, and it sucked him straight to Corlozan. And they that's that could be you know um, you know they might have been getting ready to do a diplomacy action somewhere, and then you just throw a wrench right in there. But we're, I'm showcasing these the, the, just to show a lot of the player interaction in the game. You know, I wouldn't say some of these seem kind of um, Attack you or take that, but it, it's really just I'm just showing you all the ones that are like that. <laughs> the ones that have the highest amount of interaction. Yeah, yeah, interaction. yeah. This one is a treaty signing on Sentina. It says the Sentinians especially value written agreements over spoken promises, and and the effect is give a player one of your action cards and gain one influence on Sentina. So you'll may be making interesting decisions like that. You're like, oh, okay, I, I want to get, I want to play this card, I want to place that influence there, but I have to give up one of my cards to another player. William James Gray asks, is there any negotiation between players or diplomacy? There is a, yeah, I mean, there is, um, you can trade goods with each other. Mm -hmm. um, you can, um, I mean, there's definitely going to be, a, like, talking about, I'll stay over here, or, oh, we should stop her because she's doing this thing. It's usually, we need to gang up and stop Brenna because she's, yeah. like, yeah. 10. <laughs> And, 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 you know... <laughs> they try to ally against me, and then I still run circles around yeah, them. Yeah, now, now I, I, I would say this game has, like, a, a real king-making issue. It, no, it's, it's, it's hard to... You know, it, some games are meant and designed around that, but this game is not. That's yeah. good, yeah. Good yeah. point. Um, you know, there's, I would say there's four chains you could look at, you know, as basic core chains of, of scoring points. We've talked about if you attack players, yes, you get victory points for attacking. You can put it on the score track. Um, but influence is one that's a little bit more indirect. And so as you're playing these cards, you get influence on the plans because those card effects are very powerful. You could also use diplomacy to also keep up, you know, or keep ahead on those. And, and, and each of those plans, as you ally with them, you're getting a lot of points. So, um, in fact, if one person gets lots and lots of allies, that's a huge amount of points that the other players have to really be careful of. So that's the second way. A third way is your player board has all these different buildings and stuff on that. And so, you know, when you're looking at this, 
Uh, all those little uh, little circles with the on this side over here with these uh, these flags. These are victory points. Now the fourth way is with all the different attribute cards. Uh, as you draw and use the draw action, you that active player get to draw these extra attribute cards, and those you get to draw too. I mean, there's tons. We can maybe talk about some of these too, but. Like, for example, if you control planet regions that contain at least one of each building type, right? So this would give you two victory points. This is an exhaustive attribute. And and let's see, maybe another one there. What's that one on top? This one can give you three victory points. That, as a con uh, confederate, you can control at least six planet regions. So any planet regions. Um, if you have at least one influence, four planets. People can't take your influence very easily. So just trying to get those influence and have them, you'll meet the conditions of these, you know, I don't want to call them, call them missions uh, or achievements, but they're like objectives, right? And so there's a lot of things you can be looking at doing and a lot of control you'll have. You know, your military units, as you build these up and you recruit them, will help you, certainly, if you're going for conquest. Yeah, but conquest is, is one, one of many yeah. ways to win this game. In the course of our own playtesting, I have focused on different strategies multiple yep. times, like a bunch of different strategies. And I've never felt like one of them was Trump. putting me at a yeah. disadvantage, you know, yeah. or at a major advantage. Right. I felt like they all seemed to have pretty good weight as viable strategies. And yeah. it sounds like, you know, this is a shameless plug because we're, you know, we are kind of on the development team and Ryan's the designers that so we're like, oh, yeah, we love it. And this is so different. But here, here's a, an interesting point. When you start the game, you're going to have a hand of four action mission cards, right? And those right there off the bat are going to give you a lot of different choices to work with. Then when you get these attribute cards, you're going to have even other things to look at and work at from the very beginning. So I agree with Brennan's statement. Like every time I play this, I'm I'm not playing, uh, I, I you know may not like ag aggressive games, you know, on, on, as a personality kind of thing, but I'll have a game where I'm aggressive and I'll have a game where I'm not. And it will all depend on what I'm working on and what, options I have available. So depending on the uh, events that are out and depending on things, it's going to greatly change the dynamics that you're playing with. And so as players, I don't know, you know, I think it's exciting and interesting when I can, every time I play the game, know I'm going to have a different experience. It's not going to be, well, I'm comfortable with this strategy, so I'm going to follow this strategy, my fourth play, my eighth play, my, it, everyone will know kind of what I'm bringing to the table as a player. No, I'm, I'm, I'm adapting and changing throughout the whole experience because of that. Yeah, yeah. Generally, I tend to be a less aggressive game player. Like, I tend to not be as attacky. You wouldn't know it playing this. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Is that, uh, the, the past couple playtests we've done, using some of those mission cards that Ryan was reading that give you different things for, like, attacking people within a certain distance or whatever, I got a lot of those cards and used them to attack mostly Ryan a lot and uh, got a lot of points that way and had a lot of fun with it, which yeah. I normally don't when I'm uh, forced to play aggressively. But it's not like I was forced to play it's play aggressively. It was just it's like it was, it was giving it was me that option. It was exciting enough that he liked it. it. Yeah, it was exciting, exactly. Incentivized for it. Okay, cool. All right, let's go on to the next question. Okay, so the next question is also for Matt. He asks... With the idea of planet variability uh, via randomized planet tokens, I was wondering how this may affect the cohesive nature of the narrative that seemed to be strengthened by the more static nature of the board. So it's the whole uh, modular versus static debate that we've kind of been having throughout this campaign. Like, is yeah. Weasel's conflict with this other planet going to be less effective yeah, well, hard play or something? I, I would say that it's not too much. It's not, it's not an issue. I mean, what's cool is... 
about this map is you're going to be using all the planets. So you're, we're not going to be leaving some of these out with the current action cards. Um, so you will get that cohesive narrative of, between, of the actions that you're playing and the events that come out that affect different planets. Um, so I would say what it does is it makes it, it, it just freshens it up a little bit every time you play. Um, but I wouldn't say that it affects the, uh, the narrative negatively in any way. Have we talked about yeah, how the diplomacy has slightly been uh, hosed? Yeah, so diplomacy, um, you can actually do, you can play the diplomacy action and affect uh, any planet that you see. So thematically, I, I should say this, thematically, your ship and your units, that's not necessarily everything that has to do with your civilization. That's like That's more like the military strength of your civilization. Or the explorers. Or the explorers and the military strength. Mm -hmm. But there are people that are, you know, coming and going from your world ship um, and visiting these different planets once they have been explored. Uh, you know, merchants that go back and forth and visit these different places, even if they don't have a, a token on the board. Right. So. So the next question uh, comes from Ralph, who asks, so Empires of the Void 2 will ship with five different races. We have seen the Nomads of Earth, Parasites of Screech, and the Seventh Academy of Eve, which will be the um, which will be the final two races that will be a part of the game. What was the reason uh, not to bring back the other races from the original, and will we see them in a future expansion? Yeah, so I wanted to focus on five in this game so that I could, um, you know, make sure that they all have their own worldship and all have their own color and all and that they have their own uh, sort of tech tree and and different abilities. And that's why we sort of limited it to, to five. So the, the ones we haven't shown are the Legions of Decima, and the other one that we haven't shown yet are the uh, Oracles of Znu. It's a lot. So yeah, there part, one, so part one. one. Part one, start with that. What yeah. is your favorite part of this design? My favorite part of this design uh, is the action card deck. I love um, the crazy things that can happen. I love being presented with a bunch of different options and deciding how to use those cards. And I might want to use a card for attack because it's a four, which is the highest number mm -hmm. in the deck. Or I might want to use it for its action, uh, which could get me more influence on a planet or um, get you know help me move somewhere quicker. Uh, I just love that um, array of uh, options. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's my favorite thing, too. It's It creates a lot of interesting choices that uh, are all sort of good things that you can do. Everything you can do with them is useful. It's trading one useful thing for another useful thing. So none of the choices feel punishing. And you get really fun and exciting moments like attacking Ryan a lot <laughs> and getting a lot of points for it. Well, and I feel like the action cards really... So I designed, I've designed so many versions of, of this theme in the past few years, and uh, this one I like so much because I feel like it, it, it really tells a story and it gets me into the theme a lot more than the, some of the other versions, which yeah, were a little absolutely. bit more um, uh, mechanical. Right, I mean, like, the actions take place immediately, right? And there's like yeah. this, 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 this excitement that, like, this narrative is just, it's punchy, it's got, it's got this robust, exciting experiences from start to finish. Yeah, there's very little, very few lulls in this. Um, I like something, I mean, you guys mentioned choices, and I'm with you on board of that. I think my favorite part is a different aspect, and that is the, I mean, we talked about the follow mechanic. I really, really like the follow mechanic. But I also really like the choices that that presents in having to decide what to do, when to do it, but also the choices of when you get those goods tokens and you've collected them, where do you use them? Like, 
which tracks, your cities, your bases, your academies, like where, what are you going to develop? And, you know, are you, you going to improve your, your command so that you can really move much faster around the board? Are you going to improve your income so you can have more money to recruit units or to build more, more future buildings? Or are you going to sacrifice those goods to get these abilities unlocked that are permanent and going to give you victory points? And so it's like there's all these branching paths. And so it's, uh, it's not like you pick one and then you're just going to stick with that and just focus heavily. You're probably every turn going to be faced with, well, now should I work on my cities because now that can help me in this aspect. And I like that you're constantly not just faced with one choice, not faced with just two choices a turn. You're faced with different array of choices every single turn, and your decision-making or your reasoning for, for going one way or the other is also adapting and changing based on every other circumstance that's happening. So that's a very engaging experience for me. I yeah. want to stay engaged when I play a game. Uh, and, and I also, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, that's okay. it. All right. So now, part two. What part of the game that you threw out do you miss the most? So uh, what's your favorite thing from an old iteration of Empire of the Void? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so a lot of versions in the past had uh, sort of a deck-building aspect. <laughs> yeah. So every, every uh, I tried that many times. So every alien would have their own deck of cards, and, and the cards were basically, they were, they were your tech tree. And so they, you would play the card to build a certain unit type, you would play a card to uh, move faster, and then you could pick them up at the end of the round. And I do miss that mechanic a little bit, but I could never, I was, I don't know what it was, but I was never satisfied with how it, how it was working, which is why we left it behind. <laughs> I gave it a really good shot, though, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. You sure did. Yeah. I tried a lot. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot that was fun about those decks, but there was also... Yeah, they had up, problems. Yeah, well, it kind of took over the game because you had to focus so much on yeah. like, reading through your whole deck and being like, what can I get next? For new players especially, it's kind of brain-burning. Yeah, I mean, that's like my design, City of Iron, where you get, you're presented at the very beginning with a giant deck of cards that you can buy, I love that. You know, it's very intimidating at the beginning. So yeah, yeah. It was also it was very fun. There was a lot good in there. Yeah, um, yeah. So what was the next part of the question? The next part is how did the development of Empires of the Void two influence Above and Below, Islebound, and Near and Far? Um, I would say, you know, all those games are are influenced by some version of Empires of the Void. We talked about this in our podcast a while ago, but. Um, Above and below that mechanic where you slide guys around, and you have your villagers. I don't if you if you've seen above and below. You have your villagers on your board and, and on your player board, and you move them to different places depending on what they're doing. Oh, and each guy had, uh, you know, each guy has their own set of skills, so you can't use every guy for every action. You have to use them for their specialties. And that mechanic came from a version of Empires of the Void where you had a fleet of ships on a shipboard and the ships had different abilities and they had combat abilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that sort of carried over to uh, Islebound. It did not make it to uh, Near and Far, though. And Near and Far, I couldn't tell right off the bat any influences that I can remember. It's very it's, hard to even pick one. I mean, there's, yeah. it's, there's such different games. I think... Yeah, you could just say far ends of the spectrum. I don't they, know. they really are. I mean, near and far is definitely another step away. I, I hadn't really been working on Empires of the Void at the time, so. So it's not quite as influenced. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
That's it for this week. Next week, I'll bring you the second part of the live Kickstarter Q&A, abridged audio edition. Thank you for joining us. We'd also like to say thank you to Fluidvolt for the use of our theme song, Doggy Goes Moo, off the album Clay Memory. You can find more of their music on soundcloud.com slash fluidvolt. You can follow us on Twitter at Red Raven Game, no S, or you can follow just me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund, or you can follow Andrew on Twitter at Enderfrick1. And we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Nevermore.